thank you for the opportunity to come and worship with you again. And um, as Anne was saying, I will be off to Zambia later, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had a week where your mind and your body need to be in several different places at the same time. And so it's always a pleasure to be able to come together on a Sunday morning and pause and stop and sit in each other's presence and the presence of the Lord as well. Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 1. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you, present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Let us pray. Almighty God, creator and sustainer of all that has life, we gather in your presence, drawn together by your spirit and in gratitude for your love. We thank you, Lord, that we gather in physical security and safety. We thank you, Lord, for the spiritual security that we find in you. Although, although Lord, we are sure that you will, never, you will always be with us and will never leave us, May we never take this for granted and become comfortable in our own achievements or take credit for what is not ours to take credit in. But may we always be aware of our reliance upon you and to worship you as you are due. Lord, for those of us for whom life is a struggle, may we know your hand upon us. May we feel your strength within us and may we know your comfort when we need reassurance. In all our situations, Lord, we pray that you would make the difference and by your intercession, our lives would be changed. May we find peace and refreshment in your word. May our hearts be renewed in their worship of you and may our minds find rest. Amen. Our reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And from verses 38 to 41. Jesus visits Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him in her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat down at the feet of the Lord and listened to his teaching. Martha was upset over all the work she had had to do, So she came and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled over so many things, but just one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the right thing, and it will not be taken away from her. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord, as we consider your word this morning, our request is simple. Help us to hear your voice and to understand your message and your word for us today. That we may listen to it, hear it, and do it. Amen. When I was a child, there was a period of time, very brief period of time, when after every meal I needed the bathroom. My younger brother was very quick to point this out to me and just accused me of trying to get out of the washing up. I insisted that wasn't the case. I actually did need to go to the bathroom. Needless to say, it didn't take long before the parents stepped in and said quite clearly that no matter how much I need the bathroom, I'm going to help tidy up with the dishes first and everything else can wait. Maybe if when I was eight or nine, I'd known this passage as well as I do now, I'd have been able to say after dinner, oh, no, no, I can't help with the dishes. I need to go and have a quiet time. Because actually it's more important, as this passage teaches us, to spend time with the Lord, to sit at his feet, to contemplate his word. This is much more worthy than doing the dishes. I've got a funny feeling I wouldn't have got very far with that either. But it might sound facetious. But there are many Christians who have been accused of having just that mindset, that when things need to get done, they don't do it. They are quick to pray, but slow to do anything else. Too heavenly minded to be of any earthly use. And this passage would seem to support that. That it's the world that's got it wrong and it's us that have got it right. It's more important that we sit quietly and pray than actually do anything practical. Except I don't think that's what this passage is saying. There are also those amongst us that are quite pragmatic. We sympathize with Martha. If we see something that needs to get done, then we will do it. And in fact, we can't sit still until we've done what needs to be done. It has the unfortunate end that sometimes you never stop because there's always something else that needs to be done. But we can sympathize with Martha, who can see all the jobs that need to get done, and Mary apparently doesn't. And so she's getting frustrated at the work that needs to be done and more frustrated that Mary isn't doing anything to help. After all, the dishes still need to get washed. The problem with very brief passages like this one is they do lend themselves to people putting their own meaning on them. For example, when we studied Galatians, it was emphasized repeatedly that not only our salvation, but our whole relationship with Christ is based purely on grace, on the work that Christ has done. That our works, our efforts are of no benefit in these matters, which is true. So is this passage an example of how it is better to sit at the feet of Jesus than do anything practical? There are some, and there are some commentaries I've read, which would interpret it in just this manner. But inadvertently, in considering it from this position alone, they have, by their own interpretation, almost made Jesus out to be a hypocrite. For example, we know that Jesus accepted the invitation. Jesus, here as in other places, allowed people to care for him, to feed him, to look after him. Surely it would be wrong if you accept someone's invitation for dinner 
to sit and eat the food and then criticise them for the very fact of having cooked it. It would be wrong to having accepted someone else's help to then criticise them for doing anything. So it cannot be that the doing of the work was what was wrong. For example, last week when we studied the Good Samaritan, the passage that's immediately before this, it was the holy priest and the devout Levite that were criticised for not stopping and helping. And it was the despised Samaritan who was made the hero for stopping and doing the work. And we looked at the discrepancy of that last week. But we also know that elsewhere in the scriptures the same issue is raised. James in his letter criticises those that have faith, pray for the poor and hungry, but fail to do anything to help clothe or feed them. Paul likewise writes to the Ephesians of the good works that have been prepared in advance for us to do, that we have been predestined to do good works. So it cannot be that Martha is working that is the cause for criticism. I doubt Jesus would ever want anyone to use him as the excuse for us to not do what needs to be done. Without cooks, no one eats. Without employment, no one earns any money to buy clothes or to support one another. Without housework, despite our best desires, the house is never cleaned. Without teachers, no one learns, and so on. We could go through every profession. One of the big themes of the Reformation was when Martin Luther highlighted that God can call us to do anything for him, not just the tasks attributed to ordained ministry, that the farm labourer and the carpenter were as much servants of the Lord as the minister and the lay preacher. So having made this case for works, if, not, if it is not working that is wrong, what is it that Mary has that Martha doesn't? When we look closer at the passage, we realise it's not so much about what Mary is doing or Martha is doing. But it is a passage that shows us something about relationships. And as we consider relationships, I just want to pause for a moment so you can just bring to your own mind possibly a couple of friends of yours that you've known maybe for a period of time and hope maybe try and think of people that you know from outside of church. Try and remind yourself how you met and how your friendship began. This may not be true of everyone, but of the relationships that just came to mind, how many of them began because you were doing something together? How many of your friendships developed because at some point or other you've been able to help them or they were able to help you? These aren't bad things because friends should help each other. But I wonder if we thought about it, how many of our relationships have been developed from having people meet a need of ours or being able to meet others' needs? I may be asking some questions that we've not really thought about in our friendships and I don't want to suddenly become the analyst. But it's amazing how many friendships are based on how useful we are to one another. If I asked a different question, rather than thinking of friends, 
How many people are we comfortable with enough just to sit? They might seem difficult questions, but particularly here in the UK and even more so in America, it's been recognized that we are, by nature, a task-driven people. I know that in myself, and I'm not alone in this, that if I'm unsure of my relationship with anyone, I will look for ways that I can do things for them. I will look for ways that I can help them out. Not consciously, but I'm now I'm aware that that's what I do. But I'm not alone in this. Many people gain their value by showing how useful they are. So unconsciously, many people trying to gain others' friendships and others' favor by that very way. Look how useful I am. But there is a problem. When your personal value, how much you value yourself, comes from having a sense of being useful, it can lead to other problems. One of the biggest issues with people who have been unemployed for a while is they develop a sense of low esteem. Because they have little. They feel they can contribute little. And in some cases, start to shy away from company because they have nothing to offer a friendship. I read of one church during the week that at Christmas would take presents out to the local community. And one of the parishioners exclaimed and commented that it was a shame that many in the households they only seemed to have mothers, and there weren't any fathers. What they hadn't realized, but someone else had, was it wasn't that none of the children had fathers, but that the fathers that were there were too ashamed to come to the door. They felt bad enough about not being able to provide for their own families without somebody else noticing it too. This may be an extreme But too often a person's self-worth is found in what they are able to do. And when they are anxious, it only gets worse as they look for more and more chances to gain credibility, to prove to someone that they are valuable. In our passage today, it's not that Mary or Martha had not done what was necessary to be good hosts for Jesus. And I would be surprised if there weren't other people present. But it was that Martha kept fussing. She didn't stop. She was looking to do more and more, and in her fussing, she wanted to be noticed. She wanted to get Jesus' commendation. Jesus could see this. But there is also something else in this passage that gives away that Martha's heart was not in a good place. When we have people over for dinner, it is for company. And as such, we try to get as much done before they arrive, or leave what we can till after they have gone. But it's not always possible. And this is even less so in Jesus' time because they didn't have fridges, dishwashers, or slow cookers or such like. But nonetheless, when your guests arrive, you do all you can to keep them entertained. And especially in the case of important guests, you do make an effort to put on a good show. Now, it might be the case that Mary and Martha were good, long-standing friends of Jesus and they had a relationship that that went back a number of years. But what was Martha trying to achieve by telling on Mary to Jesus. There is nothing more awkward as a guest in someone's house when one member of the family tries to use you in an argument against another member of the family. Wisdom, I think, has taught most of us that the best thing is to try and say nothing. Because we know that when families start arguing with each other, 
and they try to include you, it's because they either want you to tell them how right they are or for you to tell them how wrong the other person is. They are trying to make themselves look good at the expense of the other. Jesus can see that Mary's heart is quite tight, that she is wound up, that working is becoming her distraction, and that is why she can't sit. In this story, we have one of the most precious truths of the gospel. Jesus does not love us because of what we can do for him. He does not value us because of what, how useful we will be in his mission. Jesus loves us for who we are. The relationship between faith and works is a subtlety that is often lost. Martha was trying to gain approval, to make herself look better than Mary. It is the one thing that connects this story to the Good Samaritan before it. That when the lawyer was trying to make himself look good in front of his friends and Jesus. If you are someone who has a tendency to be like Martha, only you know in your own heart why that is. But it is important to remember that it's not by our good works that we either gain God's favor or are able to draw close to him. Let us remember that it's because we have God's favor that we are worth the value. That our value is found in knowing how much he cares and loves for us. That we are, and it's from this position that we are able to do good works. Martin Luther, who I quoted earlier, didn't just say that it was all of us are answering God's calling in our work. It was that in all that we do, we can glorify God. James's rebuke in his letter wasn't that he could prove he had faith by his work. It was because of his faith he worked. And the quote from Ephesians, if I quote it in full, says this. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. As I mentioned a moment ago, this short story is connected to the Good Samaritan and that both have someone who is trying to impress the Lord, make themselves look good in front of others. The lawyer tried to impress Jesus with his knowledge and self-righteousness. So Jesus told him of someone who the lawyer despised, yet whose earthly righteousness was better. Martha is trying to make herself look good by doing much more than is necessary and highlighting how little Mary is doing. Yet Jesus is not impressed. Jesus cares for Martha as much as he cares for Mary. But Mary seems to have a greater understanding of this. It is often said that a relationship has got to a good place when you are able to sit in each other's presence without needing to talk or to do anything. To be able as Mary to sit in the presence of Christ, to sit at peace is a gift that we have been given. But it may be this morning that you have been quite anxious. There may be things this week that have stopped you from being able to find your peace. And as such, you have kept yourself busy. Know this, that the Lord God of all creation knows and already cares and loves you more than you can imagine. This is not because of what you've been doing, 
but because of of who you are, that you are his, his child. There is very little that is so urgent it cannot wait. So let us first stop and seek the peace of being in the Lord's presence. Sit and do nothing but wait on the Lord. And may he bless us with a fresh understanding that comes from this peace. We come now to our prayers for others and for one another. Let us pray. Creator God, in your wisdom, you have made some of us like Martha and some of us like Mary. So this morning we pray firstly for those of us who are, by nature, like Martha. For the ones who see clearly what needs to be done and who just get on and do it. For the ones who come early to prepare and who leave late, having cleared up everyone else's mess. For the ones who cook and clean, repair and restore. For the ones who wear themselves out in the service of others. For the ones who keep the show on the road. We thank you for each and every one of them. For we know that without them, nothing would happen in our church. Help them not to be resentful of the Marys of this world, who in their eyes just don't pull their weight. Teach them the value of stillness as well as the value of action. Show them the importance of listening as well as of talking of being as well as doing that in all their busyness they may leave room for moments of mystery so that they will find peace even in their busy lives and we pray too for those of us who are by nature like Mary, for the ones who exercise spiritual gifts in our congregation, for the ones who love to explore your word and to bring us new insights and understandings, for the ones who don't feel that they have to be always doing, who are comfortable with silence, and with reflection, whose lives are marked by a stillness and a serenity. For the ones who uphold the rest of us in prayer, we thank you for each and every one of them, because we know that without them, our church would have nothing to say. 
Help them to understand that when the Marys of this world cook and clean, they too are exercising spiritual gifts. Teach them the value of action as well as the value of stillness that they may come to see that the doers and the makers of our world also do your will. And Lord, help us all, both Marthas and Marys, to find that balance of being and doing which gives purpose to our devotions and meaning to our action. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the Lord God of all creation, in whom all things are made and all things will be renewed, guide your path and clear your way. May you live and grow in the knowledge and reality of his love for you, which led Christ to sacrifice himself for you, And may his spirit be constantly in work in you to bring you peace.